Hey there, welcome. Uh, so glad that you have chosen to watch this with us today. We are continuing through our journey uh, through the book of Luke. Uh, today we're in chapter 7, going through verses 11 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn uh, to Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. In 1980, the U.S. hockey team was playing a hockey team from the Soviet Union. We were severe underdogs, and in a dramatic fashion, the U.S. hockey team defeated at all odds and won the game. And as the clock was winding down to the zeros, the sports commentator, Al Michaels, famously and loudly exclaimed, Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And it was just this profound you know, statement full of energy and just proclaiming it to the entire world. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. And everyone who was a hockey fan was looking at it and they were celebrating and they were shouting and it was just an incredible, uh, an incredible moment in sports history. And that line is very important in sports history. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. The funny thing is that many people, including Christians, don't really believe in miracles anymore at least no greater than a couple of guys winning a hockey game might be a miracle or you might catch a green light instead of a red light when you are running late and you consider those miracles we really don't consider miracles anymore when it comes to our faith journey as Christians or we say things like you know, uh, looking at a newborn baby and saying, oh, what a miracle as you're holding the little bologna loaf and you look at them and they're adorable. I don't care how ugly babies are. Even ugly babies are adorable and they're squishy and you're, oh, what a miracle. And, you know, not really because babies are little people. And if you look around, people are everywhere. And if, every, if it's everywhere, then it can really be a miracle. Being born isn't a miracle However, you, your life is a miracle. What you're able to do with your life is a miracle. What God is able to do through your life is a miracle. So let's look at the passage we're going to look at today. A couple of different miracles uh, today in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, after uh, he was in Capernaum, remember last week we were looking at uh, the, the um, healing of the centurion's son. Uh, if you didn't c catch that sermon, uh, please go back and uh, watch that from last week. But soon after that, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And then he came up and touched the bier. And the bearers stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea 
and all the surrounding country. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this opportunity we have to come together and to study your word and to to really unpack the mysteries of your grace. And God, I pray that I would not say a single word that is not first anointed and covered by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus was on the way to Nain. But I want to concentrate just on that first few words. Jesus was on the way. Many of the miracles of Jesus happened as Jesus was on the way. Jesus happened, uh, Jesus was traveling somewhere else. Many of the miracles of Jesus are on the road where Jesus is coming from here to there. You never know when God is going to do something miraculous in your life. You may be always on the way to a destination, on the way to this career, on the way to this calling, when it's actually on the way, in the middle of that destination, that God chooses to do a miracle. God loves to do things on the way. You see, we always focus on the end destination, but you see, we always fail to recognize that God often does things on the way. So Jesus, on the way to Nain, happens upon a funeral. Funerals, by definition, are sad. I've done dozens of funerals in my career, from babies to little old ladies, from heroes of the faith to bitter old men that nobody could find something nice to say about. Uh, Guys, I'm not lying to you. I've done a funeral where the mom, the aunt, the sister, the brother, the friends, no one could find a nice thing to say about this man. And it took everything I had. It took every preacher trick in the world I had to, to make this a celebration of life so that I didn't lie. And, and that's a trick for all of us, for our life, to make sure that you live a life to where you don't make the preacher lie at your funeral. But this funeral was extremely sad because it was a funeral of a young man, of a widow. This means in this day and time, she had nothing. She, you see, in this day and time, there was no such thing as social security. There was no such thing as welfare. And so if a woman died without a husband, I mean, if, a, if, a, if a woman's husband died or she didn't have a son and the son died and all of a sudden she was a widow and she had no children and they died, this is what was, a, this is what was in store for you as a woman in first century. A young woman turned to either a kinsman redeemer, a family member would take them in, or they would become an indentured servant, a slave, or they would turn to prostitution. If you were an older woman, basically you were turned to begging. And so that's what was going on with this woman. She was burying her son, and she was a widow. We know she was a widow, and she was burying her son. And so this was a very tragic moment, not only for the loss of her son, but for understanding where this woman was going to, uh, how this woman was going to be able to live. And so Jesus showed compassion. 
And so he goes up to the woman and he tells the woman, do not weep. By the way, if you ever go to a funeral, do not say, don't cry. Don't ever say that. That's a dumb thing to say to a mother who just lost her son. I mean, there's no way I would go to a mother who lost her son and say, hey, you know what, not cry. don't cry. You know, you should never, that's bad advice. Don't ever say, do not weep, unless, unless you're able to back it up. Unless you have the ability to do something about it. And so Jesus was not being insensitive. He wasn't being uh, uh, heartless when he said to the mother, do not weep. What he was doing was he's, he was fixing to say, he said, do not weep because I'm fixing to do something. I got this. Jesus touched the beer. Now, in your scripture, it says beer, B-I-E-R, not B-E-E-R, so don't get excited. So it touched the beer. The beer is kind of like the, the, the cart. It was kind of like the cart that the body would lay on, uh, body and or casket would lay on, kind of like a push cart kind of a thing. And it's, you know, I think it's interesting that it mentions that he touched the beer and not the body. See, in Numbers 19, it gives... Uh, rules, it gives, uh, 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 there are certain things that a rabbi, that a, a Jewish person is not allowed to do. And one of those things is touch a corpse. And so Jesus, you know, I think it's interesting here that Jesus, though more often than not, thwarts tradition, thwarts, you know, uh, religiosity. Yet even in this position, he did not want the message that was about to take place to be superseded by people saying, <gasps> He touched a body. And so Jesus touched the beer. He touched the cart. And he said, arise. Now, don't miss this moment. If you've ever been to a funeral, if you've ever been to a viewing at a funeral home, you know, no one expects it when you cry and when you talk to the dead person. No one expects anything to happen. And so when Jesus came to this cart, when Jesus came to this funeral and he went and he spoke to the dead body, when he spoke to this young man, no one expects anything to happen. Because when you talk to dead people, nothing happens. They're dead. Their spirit is in glory or their spirit is in hell. But they are no longer there. And so when you speak to them, nothing happens. But when Jesus speaks to you, things happen. When Jesus said, arise. When Jesus speaks to dead things, dead things don't stay dead. And when Jesus said, arise, the dead man sits up and he speaks. People were afraid and in awe. And you have to beg, you know, duh. Because I'm telling you, if I'm at a funeral and some wandering preacher comes by and they come to the funeral and he looks into the casket and he says, arise, and the guy sits up, I'm going to be afraid too. I'm going to be kind of taken aback. But their fear began to turn into praise. They began to praise God because let me tell you, when the dead guy wakes up, the funeral is over. When the dead guy gets up, the funeral is over and the funeral turns into celebration. And they say, hey, take the fried chicken. It's no longer used for the funeral. We're having a party. 
Now, we need to understand as we read this passage and we try to unpack it, what does it mean for Jesus and what does it mean for us? We need to understand the takeaway is not that we have the power to start going to funeral homes and saying, arise, 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 and having all these people wake up from the dead. That's not the takeaway here. The takeaway isn't that we can raise people from the dead. It's understanding that we all begin spiritually dead and we need the power and the glory of God to be raised up ourselves you are a miracle God placed his hand on your beer and whispered into your soul arise that is no small thing. When we live in a country where our Christianity is free, we're free to come and we're free to worship, and you may be sitting there and say, we're not free to worship, we're sitting at home. You're free to sit there and watch this worship service without having someone crash through your door right now and take you into prison and or behead you if you do not surrender your, uh, deny your faith in Jesus Christ. So we have freedom here. We have freedom to worship Christ. And so in that freedom, we tend to become complacent. We tend to become kind of numb to the idea that your salvation, that your relationship with Jesus Christ is a miracle. It's no small thing that God placed his hand on your beard, placed his hand on you and said, arise. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, we're going to unpack this scripture just a little bit. It says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power in the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of all mankind. But, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us, what? Alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What an incredible passage here. You see, as we transition from this miracle of this, of this literal dead man rising to now us looking at our spiritual death rising, this is the essence of the gospel, that we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We, we were dead spiritually, and God, through his great love and his great mercy, raised us, brought us to life. The cause of this death is our separation from God has been brought about by trespasses and sins. And uh, Romans 6.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our trespasses, what does trespasses mean? Trespasses means a deviation from the straight and narrow path. It might, might be what we call the sin of commission. It, it, uh, trespasses is doing things that we know are wrong. It's, you know, it's fornication, it's, it's you know, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, whatever. The, these are the sins that we commit. 
So the trespasses are the sins of commission. Sins are our inclinations, our thoughts, our words, our deeds. Basically, missing the mark is what sin means. And it's the idea that in our core of core, our prideful hearts, our selfish hearts, this is the sin of omission. Our, our, our trespasses are the sin of commission, and our sins are the sin of omission. And so uh, that, that is the cause of the death. So we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. But because of the great love of God, we are brought to life. This is the beginning point of salvation. From this, everything else flows. From this, from the love of God, from the great love of God, that is the entire essence of this story right here. The entire essence of the scripture is the great love of God that rescues you, that rescues us, that rescues our faith, that rescues our culture, that rescues our city, that rescues our country, that rescues our world. All of it comes from the flow of the great love of God. This love is not because of who we are, but because of who God is. God did not love us because we were lovable, but because God is loving. You know, there's some very unlovable people out there, and I've been in churches for 27, 28 years now, and I've served in a lot of churches, and I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people in leadership, that you look at them and you say, okay, for one thing, how in the world... Are they Christians? How in the world are they believers? Much less, how are they believers and in leadership and deacons and elders and pastors? And they're just mean and they're cantankerous and they're unlovable. And you're like, how in the world are they a Christian? God, how could you love them? They are so unlovable. And I even understand there are people out there that just do not love me. They don't like me. They think I'm arrogant. They think I'm a jerk. They think I'm all kinds of things. I am just unlovable to them. And I'm telling you because that's the great thing about the gospel. That's the great thing about God is that he, the, 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 the gospels, being saved has nothing to do with how worthy or how lovable you are. It has everything to do with how loving and gracious and merciful God is. So let's define mercy. The word mercy in the, the scripture is the word ilios. And it's defined as the outward manifestation of pity. The outward manifestation of pity. Mercy, then, is compassion that one has for those in trouble. God's great love makes him rich in mercy. Let's reread that passage. And you were dead in, the trespasses, in, in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we were once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. His mercy is shown because it was while 
we were dead in our trespasses, not because of, not as though you were a sinner and you were doing bad things, but now you've cleaned yourself up and because of that, God rescued you. No, 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 no. You need to understand that your mercy was shown to you while you were in your trespasses, while you were steeped in sin. We were already gone. You were depraved. You were actively guilty in sin. You are dead spiritually. It is in that state that Jesus made us alive. It is in that state that he touched the beer and he said, arise. So what do we do with this? Well, I want us to look at this through our head, our hearts, and our hands. First, let's look at our, through our head here. God raised the dead. Miracles do happen. He raised me from the spiritual, spiritually dead. There is hope for the rest of us. God raised me from the spiritually dead. We need to know that God does do miracles. We need to know that God is willing to love you, to show mercy on you, to show mercy on your greatest enemy, to show mercy on the person you work with, to show mercy on that person that you, that, that you know, your neighbor, your family member. You need to know that God does miracles and brings life from those who are spiritually dead. We need to know that. And so our heart, it needs to filter into our heart. And so we need to understand and we should be filled with joy and awe to the one who saved us and cherished this life that was given to us. And not to take it for granted. Those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, don't take the sermon as though, oh, this doesn't apply to me because I'm already Christian. You are the one I'm talking to. You who are saved need to know that you are a miracle and you need to be in awe and joy of that fact. You need to be in constant joy and awe that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and not to waste that. You need to, to, it needs to draw you to your knees. It needs to humble you. It needs to, to, to cause you to, to celebrate every day that Jesus rescued you from the grave. So the head, the heart, and then down to the hands, what do we do with this? We should walk in newness of life and do something with this gift. We need to earn it. We need to strive. You can never earn the sacrifice that Jesus paid for you. You can never earn the mercy and love that he gives you, but we need to do everything we can. We need to do everything we can to try to earn this. The life you have is yours because Jesus touched the beer and saw compassion on you and drew you to himself. Jesus on the way to another engagement came across this funeral. And as Jesus does, he changes the life of not only those at the funeral, but changes the way we look at death, life, and mercy. Those of you who are still in the crowd, those of you who are still laying on the bier, let me say, I just encourage you, I implore you to, to please listen. 
Spend some time today, spend some time this week listening to hear the call of Jesus. You are laying on the bier, you are dead in your transgressions and your sins, but please listen for the mercy and the love of Almighty Christ and hear Him call from the depths, arise. Because you're a miracle. Because being born doesn't make you a miracle, but the life that you have through Christ Jesus and what you're able to do with your life because of the call that God has placed on you, that is the miracle. And so I ask all of us to rise up and walk worthy of the gift He's given us through salvation. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for this incredible passage. And then, God, I do thank you for miracles. I thank you that in my trespasses and in my sins, you spoke into me as I was spiritually dead. You whispered into me, arise. And, God, I rose up, not because of my, uh, anything I have done, not because of anything who I am, Lord, only because of who you are. You are loving and you're merciful. And I thank you for that. And I thank you in advance, God, for all the people who are watching watching right now and listening right now. And I pray, God, that you, if they're driving, that they would pull over and in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their trespasses, in the midst of their sins, in, through the tears, Lord, that they would cry out to you and say, God, thank you for raising me from the dead. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for the souls of those who are watching and listening right now that they may call you Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you have decided, if you've been walking around and you are walking dead, you're just living dead, uh, and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, but maybe you did just now. Maybe you just now said, yes, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If you have heard the whisper of God saying, arise, I would love for you to go to our website, liveoakji.org backslash watch online. And there's a digital uh, connection card. Fill that out. Uh, send it to me, and I would love to connect with you and pray with you. Thank you. Have a great day, and God bless.